Well, hey, hey, hey. Good morning, good morning, folks. Welcome to episode number 35 of the Corporate Quitters. And today, look, today I have a very special guest because, well, Tracy believes that people should bring their personal brands to work. So what she's telling you is it is okay to be you. You don't have to be anyone else at work or in life. It's okay to be you. So Tracy, why don't you introduce yourself to our fabulous audience here? Yeah, good morning, everybody. I'm super excited to be here. It's very early for me. So let's see how prepared my words are <laughs> to speak today. Um, I am Tracy Borson. I am coming to you from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, up in the snowy north. Um, and I'm all about authenticity. I probably like a lot of us growing up, we witnessed all of the things, all of the drives, all the calls to be somebody besides ourselves and fit in in specific groups. And it's, it's really something that exists almost our whole life since we start school at about age six. Um, and quite honestly, it was never my jam. I think I was the weird one. Um, I just couldn't, I couldn't get behind all the effort it takes to be somebody else. And it's, I, I did it though. I did it a lot of times. I I specifically did it in my corporate career. And I got to the point where I was just like, well, I'm now trading who I am for a job. And that doesn't apply with me. So that's when I began my entrepreneurial journey. Um, and so I am here to spread the good word about being yourself, doing you, finding your passion, finding your path. And really at the end of the day, permission to do you. And I love it because all too often we're taught to go to work and wear a mask. We can't be who we are. And that's frustrating. Not only is it frustrating, but it's not fair. It's not fair to us as individual employees, but it's also not fair to our employer because we don't give them the best that we have when we're at work and we're fake. So let's go to our audience for a minute because we got some people joining us early this morning. We got Shri here. Hey, 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 my friend Shri. And we have Alex, my favorite RN. Hey, familiar, tuning in from Ohio. Alex, good to see you. And we have Garnell here from the Bahamas. She says, good morning, Shri. So Shri, Garnell is saying good morning to you. Um, so listen, let me ask you a question though. When you were at work and you couldn't be yourself, what did that feel like for you as a person? Bad. <laughs> Can we call it what it is? <laughs> it just felt bad. Um, I like to, I mean, a lot of people use the word microaggression, but for me, I just always felt like something was slowly chipping away at me. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, uh, now I'm going to forget the name of the movie because it's too early. The Wedding Singer, Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler. And there's a part in that movie where Drew Barrymore, the main female lead, is talking about how it's a whole bunch of little things that either make you fall in love with a person or not fall in love with a person. And I feel like that's exactly the same with the job, right? You get all of these like little tiny things that are just like, oh, that's not what I would do. Oh, that feels bad. Ugh, I'm just doing that because I'm getting paid for it. And I just, eh. <laughs> um, mostly sound effects apparently is what it felt like for me, but it, it's, 
it doesn't feel good and it doesn't feel like you. I always remember one of the things I would say in my head constantly was that's not what I would do. And when you're constantly quote unquote forced, not like anyone's holding a gun to my head, but it's expected that I perform and do these specific tasks and such a high percentage of them become things that I wouldn't do, then it just doesn't feel good. And quite honestly, it was the like, it was a whole bunch of little things that piled up and piled up and piled up to me until there was one straw that broke the camel's back. And I was like, you know what, I am not going to do that. And the fact that you're asking me to do that just tells me that we're so misaligned as people that I need to start looking for something else. You know, and, and honestly, that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on because you believe that people should bring their personal brands to work. And I know that there are so many of us that struggle with that because right now corporations are trying to build up their own corporate brands, but really you want to relate to people on a human level. And I know that there are so many people who struggle because they're on social media and their employers are actually watching them and spying on them and trying to reprimand what they do in their personal lives, not realizing that they could actually capitalize on people's personal brands. So, so tell me, why do you think it is important to do you when you're at work? So let's start with my definition of personal brand, which is the experience you leave other people with. And so regardless of whether or not you think you have a personal brand or whether or not you've intentionally built a personal brand, you have a personal brand. If you're interacting with other humans, you're creating human experiences for other people. And so you can't help but do that when you go to work. Unless instead of doing that, you're spending energy on purpose not doing that. So I could go to work and spend energy on my job, on contributing, on driving value in the organization, or I can go to work and try and be someone else to actively filter out my personal brand. And this is the problem is that most people choose to actively filter out their personal brand at work instead of taking all that energy and burning those mental calories, contributing to their job. Wow. And so it, it's very deeply, we, we have a historical narrative that personal brands at work, being yourself at work is frowned upon. That you go to work, you leave your personal life at home, and then you come home and you can and have it back. The problem is your personal brand, the way you show up to create experiences for humans, isn't like your jacket. You can't just take it off <laughs> when you come into the office and put it back on when you leave. It's part of you. And I'm sure we've all experienced this, right? Those times where you're like, okay, you're all like in your head, like, I can't do this. I can't show up like this. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And that takes a lot of effort and energy to go through that activity. And when we're going through that activity, we can't be using our, our knowledge, our experience, our expertise for to contribute. And so we were talking about masks earlier, right? And regardless of now whether you're wearing a COVID mask at work, these are the least of our concerns. These are, society has taught us to put one on, even if it's not beneficial 
for the work environment. And a lot of times it's not our work environment explicit, explicitly telling us you have to put this mask on. It's that we go into an interview and the very first thing we do is put our best foot forward. Except for some reason, we think the best foot forward is not our own feet. It's somebody else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We have to show up and we have to be different somehow than who we are. And if we didn't do that, and if more, I see we have uh, the, the famous Dan Roth on with us live in the comments. One of the things that Dan often talks about is culture ad instead of culture fit in the hiring process. And that is about bringing everything about you that is unique that can add to the culture at an organization to the table instead of telling me this is the box I expect you to fit in. Oh, there goes. There's my camera. <laughs> There's my webcam. <laughs> I didn't want to play games this morning, but it's back. Um, awesome. <laughs> now I'm getting a whole bunch of different lights. It was a little early for your camera too. <laughs> my technology was like, whoa, guys, it's just way too early for this. Um, but the, the point is from that beginning interaction, we're both the hiring party and or recruiting party and the participant is just not really being ourselves, <laughs> which means we, we just don't get off on the right foot. And we create that relationship with the organization from the beginning. We say, these are the corporation's values. And I go in as a participant being like, okay, here's how I can convince them that I'm this. Instead of me going in and being like, well, I actually believe all those things. And so I can just show up and be myself. And that will be the best story I can tell about this because I'm just being myself. So a lot of it is, is in internal narrative. A lot of it is societal narrative. And neither of the narratives are telling us that we should just be ourselves right now. Hence why I'm trying to own that narrative. Someone's got to well, say that. <laughs> you know, it, it's really interesting because I've heard you talk about this uh, a lot. But what you said this morning, a few things actually resonated with me a little bit differently. You talked about energy and where you spend your energy. And if you're spending your energy being someone else, you're not giving full effort to work. But the other thing with that too is when you spend your energy on something that you don't enjoy, it, it, it depletes you further. Because like if you're working on something that you enjoy, you can work 24 hours in one day, maybe not literally 24 hours, but you could work for a very long time and it doesn't feel like work because it's fun. But if you're spending that energy on something that's extremely draining, it drains you even more mentally, physically and spiritually. So I never thought about it from the energy consumption and the energy expansion standpoint. It's it's uh, it's a lot worse on you as a person because it takes its toll on you because it's energy spent doing the wrong things. And I never thought about it that way before. Um, so that's a, a lose-lose situation for everyone all the way around. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, like we just, a lot of times this isn't explicitly <laughs> dictated to us. We create our own, our own stories and we all have our own reasons why we try to be something different than we are, but we bring that with us. And again, for some reason, people... I, I feel like this was specifically big in the 80s when people are like, leave your personal life at home, right? And then, and 
you can have it back later. <laughs> the thing is, is you, that's just not possible, right? Like if you're dealing with grief at home or you're dealing with, I don't know, a physical illness or whatever. And, and nowadays we're more like, okay, well, if you're physically ill, stay at home. But that wasn't always the case, right? Like think about industrial England, right? Like if you were sick, you would still went to work at that factory. Probably the reasons, one of the many reasons why there was the, the plague, right? Like we just, we have these societal narratives that build and build and build and, and we internalize them. And unless we have conversations like this that help us see like, oh, interesting. I didn't realize how much I was contributing to that. Like I'll, I'll give you guys an example. So since I left the corporate work environment and, and began my own business, I've been doing a lot of values work. Like, what are my personal values? How can I make those show up in the brand experience of my company? And one of the things I came across is this, uh, I believe in accountability. I like to call it excellence. Um, but when I was working in the corporate work environment, I always felt like, doesn't anybody, isn't anybody accountable for anything? Like, I just have an unusual level of accountability that no one else can match or like, what is up with that? And I never, ever asked the question. I never asked the question. And, and, and I feel like I would have had the space. Like if I would have shown up and saying like, okay, management team, I'm having this personal struggle with like the accountability of the team. And I would like to understand what is everybody's definition <laughs> of accountability because it's not all the same not everybody inherently knows my definition of accountability so i can't fairly hold them to that standard because i haven't even shared with them what my definition of accountability is and there's there's I, and again like i say i think now if i had approached the team with that type of conversation one of the corporate values was cares about people and my boss once made me launch a product in eight days, which means I traded my personal life for work for eight days. And never in that time did anybody say to me, I appreciate that this cares about people thing is going out the window for eight days. I appreciate that. And thank you for your investment in the company, right? That would have made a big difference to me. And I, I would have still traded my personal time, but I would have understood that you saw that this is actually not in alignment with the values. And it's just, we just don't talk about those kinds of things. Companies write values, they put them on the wall, you employees memorize them, and then you just move on, right? But nobody talks about how every single person has a different interpretation of what this value means. And unless we have the conversation, we can never, we cannot possibly know that. Ah, so it is very important that everyone is on the same page. And in order to get on the same page, you have to have a conversation about definitions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that makes sense. So now let, let's go back to our audience for a minute, because uh, my friend Andrea Capo says, yes, I, I wanted think, to talk about this. <laughs> there you go. I think there's a difference between bringing your best foot forward and bringing your authentic self into the workplace. The former is more about performance and the other is about being human. Maybe that's just my take. So what do you think about this? This is a perfect example, you guys, because Andrea's definition is not wrong <laughs> and nor is my definition wrong. My definition is, or my belief is that your best foot is actually your most authentic foot. 
that that's my definition. And my experience is that every time I have been able to show up as my most authentic self, I have been able to put my best foot forward. So this is, you guys, this is exactly why we have this conversation. <laughs> it's, these are our own definitions of what it means, right? And so let's let's explore, right? If if I think that putting my best foot forward is about performance, and in order for me to perform at my best, I have to bring less of my authentic self to work, then I create that that break. I create the opportunity for me to not bring my authentic self to work because who doesn't want to put their best foot forward, right? Like I'm an entrepreneur. I want to put my best foot forward too, right? Like I want to show up and I want to do the best I can in any given moment. But we create this split between performance as it's defined by the corporate work environment and our authentic self. But are they different? This is where we challenge the narrative. Exactly. And the only way that we can come to a consensus about stuff is having open discussions about it. But let me just say, I love this comment from Dan. Just so everyone knows, Tracy isn't using sign language. Her hands have ADHD. Let me say, Tracy, I talk with my hands too. And sometimes I talk with my hands too. Oftentimes. And you guys, have you noticed it more since we got the zoomed out version of me from the webcam? (laughs) That's what I was about to say. Oftentimes you can't notice me doing it because my hands are off camera. So every once in a while you'll see my hands come up. But Dan, my hands have ADHD as well. Okay, but look, you are extremely passionate about this, about people bringing their personal brand to work. But this is not just lip service to you. You actually lived it. So talk to us about What happened to you in the workplace and how you really discovered that, hey, wait a minute, this whole working for someone else under this context is not right for me? Yeah. So, again, for me, it really came down to a values misalignment. Right. And it was one of those things. I'm sure a lot of people have this. Like when you finally leave a job and you're like, why did I stay there for so long? (laughs) What was up with that? Um, But we stay for various reasons, right? It's comfortable. I mean, one for me, like I had, I had my son and the like Canadian maternity leave as like a year. So then you're like, oh, well, I kind of owe this employer something because they paid me for a year. Um, And so there's, again, and everybody has their own reasons. Lots of reasons why we stay at a job that we really don't like. One of the things that happened for me, and there's like, Again, there's a lot of little things that led up to it, but the straw that broke the camel's back, and I shared this with Robert when we first had a conversation, was when George Floyd was murdered. I was responsible for marketing for the organization I was working for, and the entire company was like, okay, we got to have all these Black Lives Matter posts and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, we don't, we don't, we didn't employ any Black people. I had never interviewed anybody who was black, I was like, you guys, we're like straight up white privilege here. This is not our conversation to have, right? Like, let's, my preference was let's be quiet and let's amplify some voices that we never have before, because that's something that we could do to potentially be an ally instead of just being the loudest voice in the room, which quite honestly, white people are super good at. And I was just like, 
I can't, I can't do that. I won't do that unless we're going to look at our like internal structure and ask ourselves questions about why. Is anybody asking ourselves why we've never even interviewed a black candidate? I did a lot of hiring in my time. Not once, not once did I interview a black candidate. And I was like, if we were actually gonna look at our policies and everything and explore why we are maintaining this level of white privilege, then maybe we could say something about this, but we don't, we don't have the right to participate in this conversation. And I told my boss, I was like, if you want to, like, it's not my company, right? If you want to, you can, but I can't, I can't do it. I won't do it. Um, and it was in that moment and she didn't make me do it and nor did we post it because she didn't know how to use the social media systems. But I knew in that moment, I'm like, we are way, the fact that you even asked me to do this is too far away from mm -hmm. the things I believe. And I just can't, right? I can't continue to put a lot of us, like a lot of us are A players, right? We come and we give our all at our jobs every day. I can't come and give my all at a place that doesn't care about my personal values or, or very minimally is that far away but we have such different values. And I don't believe that values, again, inherently are good or bad. If if the corporate values were actually wealth and influence and innovation and those things, that's fine. It's just not aligned with my personal values. And I should go and work for a company that is aligned with my values. And so that was it for me. I was that that day I was like, okay, how can I, I wrote my resignation letter and I was a senior vice president. So I was like, you tell me how long you need me to stay in order to make this transition as smooth as possible, but I'm out. And my boss was like, how about we call it a sabbatical? And I was like, you can call it what you want, <laughs> not coming back. Um, and so a lot of people have told me before, like that must have been so hard right like it must have and quite honestly it was a, the easiest decision to go on a second date with my now husband was a harder decision <laughs> than that right like it was just the simplest thing to me i can't do that i just can't i can't it would be trading who i am for someone else you guys like and my salary was good but at the end of the day that's for the wealth of someone else right all the effort i put in is building someone else's business and if all the effort i put in to build someone else's business that i believe in then like that's fine right like I, i'm willing to put in effort to build someone else's business i believe it this is why i only take coaching clients who have businesses that i believe in because it it feels good for me to contribute to those things and if like, I just, that was it. That was, that was the day where I'm like, I will no longer trade who I am as a person for a paycheck. And luckily, I think the COVID pandemic has shown a lot of people those cards and are just like, oh, I didn't realize how much of myself I was trading for this job. And it's just not worth it. You guys, that job, and people say this all the time, right? You see the quotes and whatever go around on LinkedIn. If you died tomorrow, that company is going to replace you, right? Yeah, they will. And, and that's a good business decision for them. And because they're making a business decision. Um, but humans, brands, in fact, corporate brands and personal brands are built off of interhuman experiences. And nobody, zero people in the world can create the same experience as me. And if I can show up and I believe that, I believe that about myself. I hope you guys 
believe it a little bit more about yourselves after this conversation. But there's no reason for me to trade. And even if you guys, even if you are, let's say you take a take a job that you don't want to take because you need to pay your bills, right? Lots of people will do that. And you you make the financial decisions for your life, but that does not mean that does not mean you have to trade away your personal brand. There are ways. Look for ways that you can bring your personal brand to work, right? Maybe you have to wear a uniform and you can't wear all of the crazy colors that you normally like, but maybe you could wear something funky in your hair or you could wear crazy eyeshadow or something or nails, right? Like maybe you can wear badges or you can wear cool sneakers, right? Those are ways that you bring your personal brand to work. And when you tap into those things, I want to give you guys one more example, because um, when I was working in corporate, I, I've, I've always loved coaching. I started coaching when I was like 15. I started coaching basketball. I've always loved helping people to see the player or the person that they can be and creating the space for them to learn the skills and then celebrating with them when they accomplish unique things. I have always loved that. And I got to the point in my corporate work where I was like, I like, I'm reporting on KPIs. I'm sitting in management meetings that are a waste of time. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing all of these things that I don't like to do. And I remember standing in my boss's office and the director of HR was in there. And I, I always say this, I probably should have been paying attention to whatever we were talking about. But what was happening in my head was that I just want to coach people, right? Like I just want to coach people. And then I was almost instantaneously was like, I have a team of people. What if I showed up and the number one thing I did every day not that it maybe it's not the thing that takes the most time, but the reason I come to work is to coach the people. And it it did change again. Like I had too many like attacks on my personal values to actually stay at that company, but how that completely changed how I showed up at work and it changed my relationship with my employees. And when I left, every single one of my employees left within three months after. Um so it was it was a worthwhile, it was a worthwhile investment because that they were getting something out of it. And then when I left there, like, well, I'm not getting the support that I need. So I better leave as well. And wow. that's me bringing my personal brand to work. So there, there's lots of opportunities if we're looking for opportunities. Now, you, you've said so many things that are impactful just now. So I want to circle back to a couple of them so that we don't miss a few things. But one thing I really want to hit home on is you said values are important and values are either neither good nor bad, right nor wrong, which I completely agree with that. If a corporation values profits, that is okay. But what we do as humans is we try to force an organization to take on our values instead of finding an organization that better aligns with what we believe. And that's when you have all this infighting in the workplace. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a strong value-based person. And I say this a lot and people look at me like I'm crazy until I explain it. But I'll tell people, I don't value your views because I think there's a difference between a view and a value. Values are things that should not change over time a whole lot unless you fundamentally change as a person. So, for example, my personal values are honesty, integrity, and treating people with kindness and fairness. In everything that I do, 
That is what I believe should be at the forefront. I've been that way since I was a child. That doesn't change. Now, my view on foods change over time. When I was young, I didn't like tomatoes, but I loved ketchup. Now I like ketchup and tomatoes. That's a view. My view on that food can change over time. But a value is something that is static. A value is something that is a part of who you are as a human being. So when you said that, it really, I really resonated with that. But I will say some mistakes that I made in the past was working for organizations that didn't share my values and trying to change the value within this organization. No, that's not your job. Your job is to find an organization that better aligns with who you are as a person, which is exactly what you did. But also, it seems like you created a culture there that was so good. People believed in your personal values as well, which is why they left when you left. But here, here's what I want to ask you. We have one question in the chat from Gupta that I want to get to in a minute. Uh, but before I get to that, I want to ask you, how in the world did you get the courage to just be you? Because it takes a lot of courage to do that. How did you muster up that courage? Oh, this is like one of my favorite questions, actually, because courage is related to fear. <laughs> you show up with courage when you have fear. If you don't have fear, it doesn't take courage to do a thing. And so one of the things I think that again, as somehow people think is that if I just wait longer, I'll be more ready. It'll get easier for me to do it. And it just won't. <laughs> um, there will always be a specific level of fear, which means courage is required. And there's courage. So courage for me in this instance is I handed in my letter of resignation. I had fear associated with that. It took courage to do it. Now, on the flip side, I was like, I can't stay here. I, I had gotten to the point where I was like, this is a bad decision every day. And the definition of insanity <laughs> is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I know that this is bad every day. <laughs> It's a bad decision for me. It's a bad alignment with my values every single day. And if I consciously, I didn't always know that consciously, right? Like that wasn't always conscious for me. Once it became conscious and I could see that I was making that bad decision every day, there's less fear because I'm, I'm more fearful of staying than I am of going and doing something else. And when I left, I didn't know if I was going to start my own business or find another job or whatever, but I knew I had to get out. And so to me, it might look like courage from the outside, but I was just like really more afraid of staying and doing the same thing than the, afraid of the unknown. Um, so I did it, but that doesn't mean there wasn't any fear. Right. I don't believe that we'll ever any of us will get to the point where we're just not we have no fear associated with the thing. You might have less fear because you have more practice showing up. But one of the other things I want to talk about in this scenario is that what I had was confidence in myself. I'm, like, I'm a good employee. I am smart. I am flexible. I am intuitive, I am process minded, right? Like there are all of these things that I knew about myself that gave me confidence that I could do something different. And like, I worked in the same industry for 
14, 15 years, it's, it's scary. And I know a lot of people are in this like uh, industry transition right now where they're like, I don't want to stay in this industry. It's too hard for me. And we have actually, I saw an amazing, um, just because we have Amanda with us, I saw this amazing um, in, infographic on LinkedIn this morning that was talking about how teachers make the best project managers um, and how the like uh, the skills and everything are really the same. And I was like, this that that is what I could see in myself, right? I could say like, I have all of these things. I have. I have had people who said no to me for, I applied for jobs when I came out in my corporate work environment. And I only applied for jobs with companies that I really loved um, already. And I believed that they stood for their values. But there was one I got rejected because I was Canadian. They're American company. We don't hire Canadians, right? Like, fine. What are you going to do? I'm Canadian. Um, but I was like, my response was your loss. <laughs> If you really wanted the best person for this job, you would have found a way to hire a Canadian. And uh, like, that's because I believe in my heart. It's 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 not fake it till you make it. Ugh, that's the thing I hate the most. Don't fake it till you make it. Um, I have a friend, Tim Sweet, who always says, face it till you ace it. <laughs> and I was Ooh, like, I like, I like that better. Um, because that's about, it's about showing up. But it's not about showing up as anybody but you. And so look for, look for those things about yourself that you're so proud of, right? Take a look at the things that you've experienced in your past that you always remember with pride and look at those, explore it a little bit. What do you, why, why are you so proud of that? Most likely anything in your memory that you're proud of is because what you did aligns with one of your core values. <laughs> and once you start to have clarity on your core values, you also start to see why did this make me so angry? Why did this make me so uncomfortable? Right? Probably because it's not in alignment with your values. Almost everything at the end of the day drives back to your values. And again, it's not because any values are good or bad. It's just that if they're not aligned, it can end up very painful for both parties. Wow. Wow. So find the things that bring you joy. And those are the things that probably closely align to your values. Mm -hmm. And if you're working at a company where you're not joyful in what you're doing, you probably, it probably is a value misalignment. It's true. And I think too, sometimes people think that like work tasks are the things that they don't like to do, but most mm -hmm. often it's because the energy in which you're showing up to do those tasks. Right. Yes. So like, you could be a janitor and love, like, you know what? I always think of my junior high school janitor because that guy was like, he was super social. He was friends with all the students, right? Like we were not afraid to go and tell him if a toilet was backed up or like that guy created a memorable human experience and he was a janitor, right? Those two things are not mutually exclusive. They're, you can do that. And so Gupta is asking a question about how can you bring your personal brand to sectors like hospitality? And like, I want you guys to think about the best server you ever had at a restaurant <laughs> and the worst server <laughs> you ever had at a restaurant. Right? I, oh my God, I have to share this because it was like the most ridiculous thing. So we ordered Chinese food 
we've ordered Chinese food from the same place for like five years since, or seven years since we've moved to the neighborhood that we lived in, we've ordered Chinese food from the same place. Lately, we always order sweet and sour chicken. And lately we get sweet and sour pork. And so I called the restaurant and I was like, hey, I just am wondering, do you guys still have sweet and sour chicken? Because we've been ordering it off the online menu, but getting sweet and sour pork. <laughs> and what they said to me was, how can you tell? And I was like, for real? You're asking me that you're telling me that I can't tell the difference between chicken and pork. <laughs> I was like, what is that? And I'm like, I'm one of those people where like, you give me a bad experience. I'm done with you, right? Like I will not eat there again. I will have to find a different Chinese restaurant to order from now. But like, really? You didn't like <laughs> this cover and, and, and her, her, um, uh, in order for that to not happen next time, this is what she said I should do. After I submit the online order, I should call the restaurant and make sure that they give me <laughs> sweet and sour chicken. And I was like, isn't that your job? Like, that's your job, right? Like, I submit my order and you're supposed to make sure that I get what I ordered. No, I think the problem is you can't tell the difference between chicken and pork. But anyway, so like <laughs> that, that. It, it, let's let's talk specifically about hospitality because in hospitality a lot of times we're dealing with people right but again think about those experiences you've had with the best server and the worst server those people's jobs are almost identical right so the tasks that they do are not different the brand and the value system of the restaurant because if you're looking at I don't know like a Denny's versus a super fancy steak restaurant, the, the values of the organization might be different, but the tasks that those people do are not different. And so how those people show up to do their job is what is different. And every single time, look at this, if you, the best experience you have, that's because somebody most likely treated you like a human, cared about your needs, made sure you, your water glass was full, Right. Like maybe even have like I'm that person who likes to chat and hang out <laughs> with the servers. Um, I actually was on a date once where I'm pretty sure I talked more to the server than to the person I was on a date with. Um, but like I like that. And quite honestly, that's a super memorable experience for me because I was like, thank you. You are saving me from this super terrible date. <laughs> um, and it's like she could tell and she was doing it on purpose. Um, anyway, like those things are because you were seen, you were heard, you were taken care of, right? And that's hospitality's job is to take care of you. It's just that we often don't say like, okay, if my job is to serve, right? In hospitality, our job, take care of people, serve people. How would I do that? How would I do that? And again, sometimes you're going to be, I call them golden handcuffs. Um, when organizations create rules that actually, that don't help you help the customer. Right. And right. even me, I used to work for a retail furniture company and I was in marketing. So like the marketing department doesn't have any ability to help a customer. And I had someone call in once and they were really upset because they had got this automated phone call and it went to their work phone and they were out of the country at the time. So they had all these charges and I couldn't do anything. What I wanted to do was be able to like get her phone bill and pay her phone bill. That's what I wanted to do. And I was not capable of doing that. But even in that moment, knowing what I would do, I can show up 
and I can be that person. I can care that much about how this yep. is, sucks <laughs> for her. I can I can show up and I can have compassion for the situation because that's what I would do. Do I get to do that? No, but I still get to show up and be that person. I can still act as that person. And that's the yeah. power you have in industries. Uh, hospitality is an example, but quite honestly, any industry is that that's, that's you, that's you. And that even in, Ooh, I love this example. So I was once on a, I was coming back. I have all these. <laughs> um, I was coming back from New York. Um, my sister and I were in New York and we were waiting on the tarmac to come back and a gentleman on the plane had a heart attack. And so we had to go back to the gate. We had to medically evacuate him. We had to get his luggage off the plane, blah, blah, blah. By the time we got back to like to the tarmac, there was, uh, we couldn't use the flight plan that we had. So they had to submit for a new flight plan, which doesn't take a small amount of time. We ended up sitting on the ground in the plane for three hours before we could take off. Now, the airline had no control over any of this, right? Like they had no control over a guy having a heart attack. They have procedures that they need to follow to get people off the plane. The whole time, I don't know if you guys know this, but when you're on a plane and you're on the runway, not at the gate, you're legally required to have your seatbelt on. Yep. And so like, there's people who need to go to the bathroom and all of these things were like, policy wise, this is not allowed, right? And the stewardesses or flight attendants were taking people, like accompanying people to the bathroom. So it was safe to do so. They were doing everything in their ability to make that pleasant. They couldn't change the experience. Once we got into the air, they gave us all free food, right? Like it was one of those pay for food flights, but they gave us all the free food we wanted. And it was just like, there's no, like there's no... <laughs> They did everything in their power to make that good. And I remember it as good. Was it and, long? Yeah. And kind of painful? Yeah. But like that wasn't in their control. They did everything within their control to make it good. And it stands out. So these are the things we can start asking our questions about, right? Like if I'm going to bring my personal brand to work, what would I do? What are those things that are in control that I'm in control of that I that I can show up and do. Ooh, one more example. Can I give you one more example, Robert? This is more of a like corporate example. Um, so in, in my time in corporate, I was worked in client success as well. And there were all, there were a lot of clients that would be like, we need to do this. <laughs> and I would be like, eh, I don't agree with that. <laughs> um, and there was one client in particular who wanted to do their, so I worked in telemarketing at the time, um, automated voice notifications is what they call it to make it sound mm. fancy and not robotic. Um, but there in, in 2013 in the United States, there was this, they, con they call, called it the compliancy cliff, which was up until that point, you could call someone's cell phone without express permission to do so. As of October, 2013, you had to have express consent in order to call somebody on their cell phone. And yep. so what a lot of people were doing were calling everybody, their entire list of people to tell them that they should opt in to keep receiving calls. And it was just, it just didn't work at all. Like most people opted out. It just, it, it was not a good experience for anybody. And so I had a client who was like, 
we want to do this. And I was like, Ugh, I would really advise against you doing this. Now, you guys, this is advising a client not to pay my company money. <laughs> That's what I did. And so quite honestly, I don't ever know how my boss felt about that, but I couldn't in good faith, knowing this company's brand, I'm like, I think this will hurt your brand if you do this. And I don't think it's going to help you in any way get more people opted in. So I recommend against it. They didn't do it. Um, a lot of our other clients did do it, had terrible results. And for years, that client thanked me because I told them not to do it. And they, I was protecting their brand. That's what I thought I was doing. And, and they might've seen it differently, but from my perspective, I was doing what was best for the customer. And each of us, again, specifically if you guys have experience in hospitality, or I know like some of you have experience in teaching, being able to create an experience for a customer or for a child in the classroom, right? That is very uniquely yours. How you do that is very unique to every other person. How you show up and say, like, how can I serve today? That is 100% defined by who you are, your personal values, your personal experience, your culture, right? All of those things. And all that that combination, beautiful multidimensionality is what makes you uniquely capable of helping somebody. And so, again, this is why I think it's crazy for people to say, like, don't bring your personal brand to work, because especially in the service industry, every single experience that your customers have are based on an experience created by a human, whether that's yeah. Yeah. like, think about those times again, when you've like come back from your room and you've expected housekeeping to come and they didn't, right? And you're just like, eh. <laughs> right? Or when you come back and like in Mexico, they always do this where they like fold the towels into like swans and stuff. And you're like, oh, that's just nice, right? Because and you're disappointed when they it. don't do it. I know. <laughs> that one time you come back, or when you wanted to see a swan, but now you see like a duck or something and it's. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, and for me, the thing that I always look for is like, did someone try, right? Because here's the other thing. When it comes to living your personal brand and expressing your personal brand at work or even at home in a safe environment to do so, because I always recommend practice it where you feel psychological safety before necessarily taking it to work if you don't mm -hmm. have psychological safety at work um you might do something that actually doesn't feel like a very good representation of you um yeah, absolutely and that's okay this is part of our personal brand evolution and even um like for me i experienced grief for the first time last summer and i'm somewhat of a different person after that and so i don't me showing up and doing what I would do before is no longer authentic because based on my new experiences and what I know, I wouldn't do that anymore. And that doesn't mean it was bad when I did it before. I had the best intentions, but now I know more. So now I can do things differently. So as you grow and learn and change, your personal brand will evolve. And what it looks like to show up authentically for you at work will also change. And that's okay. That's normal. So trying to always be that old version of us, another kind of waste of mental yeah. calories and energy. And, and you know what? I think there's somewhat of a formula to this. So let, let's circle back to Mr. Gupta's question. How can you bring your personal brand to sectors like hospitality, et cetera? 
I mean, the first thing you have to do is define what your personal values are, what is important to you as an individual. And, you know, most of the time those don't change, but you need to do a constant check in with yourself to make sure that the things that you value, that you valued yesterday are still the things that you value today or the things that you will value tomorrow. But then the other thing that you have to do, if I'm hearing you correctly, is you have to check in on the values of the organization because there has to be some sort of a value alignment. If there's a value alignment, then, you know, you should be okay. But if there's a misalignment, I'm still just my big aha moment in this interview was when you said earlier about the energy. It makes so much sense when you waste energy on things that don't align with your values. It gives you an icky feeling inside. You know something is off and it also affects your physical health, too, though, because you just feel bad. You go into work and you get anxiety as soon as you pull up to the parking lot or as soon as you hit join for that Zoom meeting nowadays. Right. But I also think that there are a lot of people who resonated with what you just said, because uh, Aileen said positive energy yields positive results. And Claire is joining us and she said your restaurant analogy is making her hungry and she's not the only one on that. But John really related to this. He said, this is hilarious. Being in the industry, I see this every day. And Amanda, Amanda could really relate to this because she said, and things can change from the back of the house just by changing the hierarchy of management. Personal beliefs and values then change and tasks become so painful to do when it wasn't in the past. And, and so for, for some people who aren't in the hospitality industry, when you're in a restaurant, you have the front of the house, which are like the servers and the greeters. And then you have the back of the house, which are like the cooks and, you know, the, the cleaning crew and things like that. And, and it really does. What happens in the front of the house drives the back of the house, which could infect, which could impact the quality of the food that you eat, you know, because well, one chef may be able to do a well-done steak because he's happy with the management team up front. Change the management team, that person is now unhappy, and that's when the quality of the food goes down, and you wonder, what happened? I used to love eating at this place. It was so great at one point in time. So you guys, we're on episode number 35 of The Corporate Quitters. We're talking to Tracy Gordonson, and we're talking about being you in the workplace. Tracy has told us about, well, her journey to being in a workplace where she was just truly unhappy. She realized she was unhappy because there was a value misalignment. Now, I heard you say the other day that one thing that really helped you out was having a good support system. And you talked about, and I, I want you to explain it, but I want to tell you what it is that I heard you say. And the way you said it was just, it was educational and entertaining and kind of comical at the same time, and also kind of tragic. But you talked about how you and your husband were both working at crappy jobs, and then he supported you in leaving, and now he's the only one with a crappy job, or <laughs> something like that. Just, the way you explained it was masterful. So talk about the importance of having a good support system when you're on this journey to discovering who you are at work and, and really implementing and being who you are at work. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, one of the things... <laughs> I met my husband when I was like 30. So I had done a lot of dating. <laughs> um, and by that time, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I actually, I have a really good friend who was like the queen of trying to be who someone else wanted her to be in a relationship and then a relationship not working out because she was always trying to be someone different. And I was like, you're awesome. Why are you always trying to do that? And so 
for me, I was just like, I'm just not interested in being anybody else but me. And I'm going to go on a first date. And if you don't like the real me, then I'm not going to waste another date on you, which is why I had bad dates, like the one where I talked more to the server, um, which was not my first date with my husband, just to confirm. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I always thought was amazing about me and my husband is that we showed up on that first date and we were both just ourselves. And it was like, if you're not going to like this, then this is great, right? Like, we'll just, we'll have a date and then we'll part ways. But we liked each other and it worked out. Um, and so it was interesting because when both of us worked, he still works in corporate. And so when both of us worked in corporate, it was kind of just status quo to go to work and not really care and like be apathetic a lot of the time and just like you go to work you get your paycheck and then you come home and then you have your life right and both of us kind of lived our lives that way and once I quit and I started exploring how that is not at all required <laughs> in order to work like in a work environment it's been a lot harder for him because now he sees that that's not something everybody does right like it's he sees it differently but every day I am thankful because it it was made possible for me to quit my corporate job and not make any money for three months because he has a job and I can still go to the dentist and everything because his company provides the benefits right and a lot of people I know, and we have better benefits in Canada, but a lot of people will stay stuck in a job for a really long time, especially in the United States, because you get benefits, right? And if you have kids, then you're like, dude, if my kid gets sick, I want them to be able to go get medical attention, right? And so we don't all have, like, we don't all have that, that person behind us who's just like, you know what, I will we'll work it out. We're going to make it work. Right. And what it, make it work looks like right now is him working a full-time mid-management corporate job. So I can, I can do what I love. And my goal is a, to pay him back for that eventually so that I get my five years to get this worked out. And then he doesn't have to do that anymore. That's the, the long-term goal. That doesn't mean that it's not painful for him every day to make that trade. And this is one of the things that I think like I said, I, I believe personal branding comes back to the human experience. And when we see stuff like that at work or at home, we have the ability to recognize that in another human. And me being able to say to him, like, I recognize that you continually deal with this frustration at your work so that I can make my dreams come true. And it makes it a little bit easier. It's like my example where I got, okay, I got to stay for eight days and launch a pro. I have to launch a new product in eight days, right? It's not like I'm not going to do that. When you recognize the trade I'm making so that you can get what you want, it helps me feel seen and heard as a human. And when we can make other people feel seen and heard as a human, that is a human experience that sticks with people. It's why the concept of like, I, so I, I follow this personal practice in my life that's just like, if I think about somebody, for whatever reason, a song reminds me of them or whatever, I message them. I message them on whatever, text message or WhatsApp or LinkedIn or whatever. And every single time someone appreciates it because it just reminds them that someone is thinking about them. And it doesn't have to be like 
most of the time it's just like, hey, I was just thinking about you today. Hope you're having a wonderful morning, right? Like it's not hard to do. It's just, we don't all have a practice of appreciating people. Um, and so like, that's part of my personal brand though, right? That's something I see. And so that's, that's something I do. And each of us have the things that we see. So when we can start to create ways at home and at work where we can do the things that we see, then that's our personal brand coming to play. You know what? I am just, um, I'm so thoroughly excited about this morning because this has been excellent because I, I think so many of us are at work in what I call the zombie state. We just show up and we just simply do things because we've not been told it's okay to be you. It's okay to bring your personal brand to work. And so I love the way you have wrapped it around your situation and have been able to explain it logically to people to where it makes sense, to where it makes sense that it's beneficial, not just for you as the individual, but for you as the organization. And I love the way it starts with defining what your own personal values are. Then learning what other people's values are, because values are neither right nor wrong, good nor bad. They're just unique to each individual. But then also finding that alignment, finding people whose values align with yours. And then the last thing, though, when you talked about you and your husband and how you you appreciate the fact that he's sacrificing out there in the corporate workforce so that you can start your own thing. So you all have a similar value system. You value your relationship. You value one another. And I think when people have these more open discussions about what they value, it makes life all the more better for all of us all the way around. Um, and can I just say one more thing there? Because we talked earlier about courage. Having a conversation about your values when you never have before, that's going to take courage every single time. So regardless of whether that's with your spouse or at work or with a business partner or whatever, if you haven't had that conversation, we all have an innate fear that someone is going to judge us for our values. And that's why I like to try and <laughs> share the message as widely as I can. There are no good and bad values. When you find the people who align with your values, it's easier to share your values. So we've done a lot of talking here. You guys have watched in the comments, right? If you're not connected with all of those people, connect with these people. These are people who have similar values to you. So if you're going to start practicing talking about your values or exploring your values, use these people or follow my friend, Lindsay Harlkadatz, because she is like the values fiction and she always talks about values. Um, but these are get in the conversation, right? Get in the conversation where it feels safe to do so. And then it's, it's still going to take courage, still going to take courage to show up with your values at work, for sure. It's going to feel a little easier because you've had practice doing it somewhere else. All right. So let me ask you, how can we connect with you so that we can create a personal brand that tells our story to attract the things that we want in life? Well, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm mostly on LinkedIn. So send me a connection request, send me a message. I'd be happy to have a conversation. One of the things that I really pride myself on is creating spaces for people to feel pride 
in their personal brand. So you may not have confidence in it yet, but one call with me, and there's a there's lots of people in this chat who have had conversations with me, is an opportunity for you to feel proud about who you are. And that is step number one in in I don't I don't actually like to use the word create a personal brand because you already have one. Mm. Right. A personal brand, like I said, is about the experience you create for other people. You create if you interact with another person, another human today, whether that's at the store when you go shopping or your kids or your spouse or your work, whoever you create an experience for those people, you're already doing that. So personal branding is is an intentional use of your values to create an aligned experience. So it's the opportunity to filter out all of those things that aren't authentic, aren't real, aren't genuine for you, and intentionally create things that are based on that. So to intentionally create the, everything you want in your life, even understanding that, even knowing what that goal is, is based on you. What what do you want? Not was what does society want us to be? I was talking to someone about this yesterday about how I still think to some degree society teaches us we should all be doctors or lawyers because those are like the most valuable jobs to have. And I am like, I just throw up at the sight of blood so I could never be a doctor. Um, but like, it's not a thing, right? What do you want? What are your values? What are the things that bring you the most joy? How can you create a map of your life, a blueprint? I like to call it a U-print. <laughs> a U-print oh, for like you. It's not based on someone else. It's a based on you, who you are, how you can show up and be who you are and achieve the things you specifically want. There is a unique path for you to do that. Um, the coaching industry right now is ripe with people who want to sell you a template or a roadmap. And they're like, this is how I did it. So this is how you can do it too. And when it comes to personal branding, actually, when I think when it comes to anything, that's not a thing. But specifically, when it comes to personal branding, that's not a thing. There is no one way to discover your personal brand. There is no one way personal brands evolve. They are all very unique. So it's about the two words that I always focus on are permission. <laughs> we talked a lot about that and confidence, right? In a personal brand development process, those are the two things that should be delivered. And if you are not going to get confidence in who you are, not confidence in this fake persona that you create, it's about confidence in who you are and giving yourself the permission for that to change and evolve as you grow. That That's, what personal branding looks like. And that gives you the opportunity to create your life based on that. So if you guys want to talk more about it, I have free discovery calls. I am just like clearly the chattiest of all people. <laughs> um, even at it's only seven o'clock in the morning for me. Um, I just, I just love, I really love to talk about these things. I really love to change the narrative about what it looks like to be you, that the best foot forward doesn't have to be something different then you would just do, you just normally walking down the street, that's your best foot forward, right? And when we can start to believe these things about ourselves, it is what really gives us our personal power. So you guys heard it here. If you want to talk more about personal branding, Tracy has free discovery calls. And realistically, if you enjoyed this conversation, which I'm sure most of you have, all of you have, you should probably be hitting Tracy's LinkedIn, hitting her DMs, hitting her website, 
because this is extremely important because honestly, it is counterintuitive to the things that we've been told for years. We've been told to suppress ourselves in the workplace, and it's made a lot of us very, very miserable. So we have to find ways to bring ourselves into the workplaces so that we can be happier at work, so that actually our companies can reap the benefits as well. And it's a win-win for everyone. So with that said, Tracy, any last words for our audience before we sign off? Permission to do you. Ooh, I love it. Permission to do you. Until next time, you guys, catch this episode on the replay. Reach out to me or Tracy and peace. Thank you for listening to the Corporate Quitters Podcast. If you like us, tell everybody you know. Better yet, head on over to the iTunes store and